Well, this episode of Juice Crew Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy. Well, welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Hello and welcome to Juice Guru Radio. I'm your host, Steve. Today we've got Dr. Pankaj Vidge. She's the author of Turbo Metabolism. As the doctor of internal medicine, he's helped thousands of patients lose weight, manage chronic health conditions, and improve their physical fitness. They'll be here right after this. So get a juice, some water, tea. We'll be back right after this with Dr. Vidge. Did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at JuiceCoachTraining.com. Juice Guru Radio. Well, hello. Welcome back to the show. I'm Steve Protect. I can't wait to get started. We've got Dr. Vidge here. His new book is Turbo Metabolism's Eight Eight Weeks to a New You, Turbo Metabolism, available at Amazon.com on his website, too. We'll share the link to that. We'll have it under our show notes, too, uh, coming up later in the show. So stay tuned for that. Let's welcome to the show right now, Dr. Pankaj Vidge. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. This is really, really fantastic. I'm quite excited to be talking to you, and thanks for all the great work that you've done helping so many people. Oh, Dr. Vidge, I have to say the same about you, and what an honor to have you with us. 20 years of practice of internal medicine, working with obesity and things like that. What brought you to the point of what you've learned, and what can we learn more about our metabolism? Because that's such a big thing for all of us, isn't it? It is. And my goal was to really give people an easy to read guide of sort of what's the truth, right? There's so much confusion. There's, there's so many things going back and forth and factions fighting with each other. And my goal was to provide anyone that's listening with, with some practical tips that they can take home and start working on. And really, my idea is to look at what are the things that everybody agrees on? What's the truth? And let's present the truth. Okay, so let's define metabolism. We know it's something that changes as we age and it slows down, they say. How do we define what our metabolism is? What's happening in our body with that? Steve, metabolism is a sum total of the energy-producing and energy-utilizing reactions in the body. So it's much like everything that happens after you take your car to the gas station and you put some fuel in it. After that, metabolism takes over, and metabolism is what's going to take that fuel, convert it into energy, that's used to propel the vehicle forward. Similarly, when we take in food, water, air, that all mixes together and our body has this amazing, miraculous machinery inside that takes that raw material, that fuel, and converts it into energy that helps us to propel forward and do all the great things that we have to do in this world, like your show. So what's the association with metabolism and some of these you know, horrible diseases that are happening? It's so rampant in the society now. Yeah, essentially all these diseases that you, you mentioned, diabetes, heart disease, many cancers, obesity, overweight, uh, even we're learning about Alzheimer's, and all these diseases are diseases of impaired metabolism. In other words, the energy delivery is impaired. There's something wrong with the way that the energy is being distributed to the body. So you've got all this excess fuel. Somehow it's not getting converted. So your engine is sputtering and producing lots of soot and fumes, but you don't have the energy to propel forward. You're tired, you're sleepy, you're grumpy. You know, this is not a good quality of life. So having turbo metabolism is about having lots of lots of energy to bound forward, to propel forward, 
to be able to really have the best quality of life that we can possibly have. So what have you learned in all these years of working with patients? You know, we're talking about over 20 years that led to this book and eight weeks to a new you. What exactly are we talking about in this protocol? Well, what I learned was, Steve, that it's, it's mostly lifestyle and, and we don't really focus on those, those habits as much as we should. And yet all the money, all the action is in lifestyle choices. So if we can get people to make the right lifestyle choices, you know, we talk about feet, forks, and fingers. So we get them eating the right food with their forks. We get them moving with their feet. We get them to not do things with their fingers that aren't so good, such as smoking. And that's a really uh, substitute for so many other toxic behaviors, whether it's drinking too much alcohol or taking in drugs or even taking in environmental toxins. So really, if we focus on feet, forks, and fingers, we're more than halfway there. I like feet, forks, and fingers, huh? So simple, right? I like the way you break that down. Um, really, that's, that's where we go wrong, <laughs> isn't it? That is, where, that is where we go wrong. There's three more that we can talk about, but we can start with feet, forks, and fingers. All right, well, yeah, and we'd like to hear the other three too, but yeah, let's, let's dive in. Um, why is it that we're going wrong? Where, where can we stop um, making these bad decisions, and how do we re- – are these diseases reversible? They are absolutely reversible. I think that's the, that was the first aha for me about 10 years ago was that when we get people eating the right foods, living the right kind of life, you can actually reverse these diseases that we think of as chronic, progressive, irreversible. Once you have it, you're destined to have it. It's stamped on your forehead. And what I started seeing was patient after patient, case after case, person after person that was actually reversing these conditions. And as I did more research into it, I realized that you can not only reverse type 2 diabetes, you can reverse high blood pressure, you can reverse heart disease, you can give people their life back. And this is so powerful. So what were some of the first steps that you do when you're working with your patients and in the protocols? What are some of these first steps we can take? How do we start making better food choices, for example? Yeah, food is absolutely paramount. Food is the first thing that we need to change. The way to make better food choices would be to really look at the environment and what kind of foods we have around and make those changes to the physical environment first. So take out the trash so we get room for the good stuff, right? So that's the physical environment. Now you also need to think about social environment and psychological environment. A lot of times we're in a social environment that encourages a certain kind of behavior, whether it's eating too many cookies or whether it's smoking cigarettes or drinking too much beer or snorting cocaine. A lot of these are an an effect of our environment, our social environment. And then the third piece is the psychological environment. And I think that's huge. And that's where, Steve, you mentioned the mind-body connection. A lot of these problems, a lot of unhealthy behaviors or self-destructive behaviors are rooted in old psychological issues that haven't been resolved. And so many people with these chronic problems actually have some unresolved trauma some unresolved adverse event from, from before that needs to be resolved. And once you resolve it, it's like magic. Everything just falls into place. So we need to look at the physical environment, the social environment, and the psychological environment. The physical is easy. Well, it's exciting. And I know you also share some hacks on how we can, you know, train ourselves to create new habits. We're going to hear all about that and more on this episode of Just Go Radio. We're here with Pankaj Vij. Dr. Vij is here. He's the author of Turbo Metabolism, Eight Weeks to a New You. We've got a link up at Juice Guru Radio 
under the show notes. If you're on the rewind, that'll be under the video here. And, um, you know, we'll also have a link to your website, which is drvij.com. And that's D-R-V-I-G, uh, V-I-J. Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, no, it's the whole word, Steve. It's D-O-C-T-O-R-V-I-J, doctor. You know, even worse, I, I completely murdered it. Not just a little bit, just. That's okay. Got the, the link. It was funny. I had it in my notes before, and then I'm like, where's the link to it? But I remember I was on his website, but okay. It's Dr. V-I-J, so spell it out, D-O-C-T-O-R. We'll, we'll have a link for that for you. Make it easy uh, so you can pick up a copy of this book. And we love that uh, our very own Dr. Joel Furman, who is our advisor to Juice Guru, number one advisor, actually wrote the four words behind the work that uh, Dr. Vidge is doing. And so pick up a copy of this because you really go in depth. So let, But you're going to share all you can during this interview too, right? Absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you everything that I can in the time that we have. I love it. So, okay, we're going to keep you on till tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to us about some of these strategies. How do we start to create new habits? People are always asking me, Steve, I don't know. You know, I, I'm an emotional eater. I, I, I love eating. I love my meat and cheese and I love all these things. I've been, I've been doing this since I was a kid. How do we get over some of that? So again, the first thing to do is just think about the environment. See, we started talking about the physical environment the social environment, the psychological environment. So we take out the trash. We take out the things that we know are going to tempt us that we just shouldn't have available. So it's about making the default setting, the automatic setting to be the things that we want to be in that default setting. So if I take out, you know, the big cookie jar from the centerpiece of my kitchen and replace that with a fruit bowl, then my default now is going to be able to grab that fruit you know, when I'm, when I'm hungry, I can make that same change in my drawer, in my office, you know, so making things automatic that we want to happen repeatedly. You know, one hack that I learned from one of my friends was she actually puts her running shoes and gym clothes in the sink the night before. If, if, when she goes to bed, she throws her stuff in the sink. So she has to see it and take it out of the sink just to be able to wash her face and brush her teeth before she heads out of the door in the morning and make it a habit to stop by the gym on the way home. Don't come home directly, right? Because once you come home, you want to kick off your shoes and change into your pajamas and turn on the TV. But if you stop on the way home, you're going to be, A, you're going to get it done. B, you're going to be in so much of a better mood coming home. Uh, so it's, it's little things like that. Go ahead. Yeah, little brain hack. It's funny. We say that about juicing too. Put the juicer on the counter before you go to bed. Put the, you know, the blender there. You're ready for your smoothie. Make sure you bought your produce the day before. Make sure. It's all about getting organized too, isn't it? Yeah, it's about preparation. And it, it's really simple, right? Where preparation meets opportunity, that's what, where success happens. Yeah, and it can opportun- become a habit. It can become a habit. It takes time but you can, you can build new habits. So what about you? Did you grow up this way? Because like, they don't teach this in med school, right? They don't. How did they, you discover this path? Did you have your own transformation, or were you just brought up more aware about all these elements? No, I think everybody, each one of us has our own journey, and, and they don't teach this in med school. And even to this day, there's just a few hours of nutrition education in med school, and that's mostly about you know diseases of nutrition, of you know, scurvy and beriberi and, and malnutrition from proteins and calories, and, and, but not the type of education that we should be getting to be able to counsel people on lifestyle change. My own transformation came after seeing my family members, one after the other, you know, started uh, succumbing to these same chronic diseases. And 
I thought of them as healthy people, not very overweight. And I realized that there's something called TOFI, T-O-F-I, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. So you can have someone who's got skinny arms and legs, but they've got some you know, extra fat in their midsection, in their belly that accumulates around the organs. And that's actually the most lethal, the most dangerous kind of fat to have. And it was that realization, you know, as a bomb started falling, if you will, right close to home, it's like, whoa, this is scary. This could happen to me. And fortunately, it didn't happen to me, but a close family member was affected. And that was really my wake up call to, you know, see what I could do, learn what I could learn to prevent this from happening to more people. There's a lot of misinformation out there about diet. What are some of the top foods you recommend people consume? Some of the top foods, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, right? You go to the grocery store. In fact, one of the things that I do with my patients is we do a grocery store tour. And the very first time that we went, you know, this store manager didn't know what we're looking for essentially, but she knew that I'm bringing a group of diabetics to the store. And she takes us straight to the diabetics, you know, sugar-free candy and, and, and the jars of, you know, jelly and all these processed foods. And, and I said right there, hey, listen, that's not our diabetes reversal, disease reversal foods. Our disease reversal section of the grocery store is the produce department. Let's focus on the produce because that's where the action is. You've got so as much plants as we can eat, right? The different colors of the plants. I know that's a big part of your philosophy too, Steve. And that's where the action happens. That's these plants have power, magical powers to help reverse disease, to help heal us, to kill inflammation, to help us look healthy, more vibrant, slow down the aging process, and essentially reverse all these chronic diseases. Well, I love that you say magical, because although we know about the, the phytonutrients and the vitamins and minerals and, and things in these plants, it's amazing. There are magical components that we haven't even discovered yet, right? There's so much more. And you think about it, we have evolved on this planet coexisting with all these plants and eating mostly a plant-based diet. Even if we, we were you know, hunter-gatherers or gatherer-hunters or paleolithic men, whatever you want to call it, men and women, that is, we would be much more likely to be able to capture you know, some leaves or a root of a plant or a broccoli than to be able to capture an animal, you know, even, a, even to be able to capture a small rabbit would, you know, take someone like me probably all week if I didn't have advanced weapons and, you know, a gun with a telescope. So I don't think we're designed to be eating so much animals. We're designed to be eating a whole heck of a lot of produce. Yeah, I think our intuition tells us a lot of misinformation out there and a lot of money behind it. But it all comes down to our intuition. What would we prefer if we were in a field, if we see, you know, the cow versus the bowl of fruits and vegetables? So true. And, and you, look at, you look at the way we're designed, too, biologically. We don't have a strong sense of smell like the carnivores do. We don't have strong canine teeth like the carnivores do. We don't have the type of intestinal structure that, that carnivorous animals do. Everything that you, you look at in our own bodies tells us that we're designed to be eating much more of a plant-based diet. So that's evolution, right? So when we're trying to sift the truth from the lies, that's what you have to do is, okay, think about, does this make sense? Is this plausible from an evolutionary biology standpoint? That's one. Two, does it make sense scientifically from whatever scientific background or knowledge that I have? And three, does it make common sense, right? So if someone's telling you that you should be putting butter in your coffee and drinking that, I mean, that doesn't make, that doesn't pass through any three of any of those three filters. I don't know any population in the world ever that has survived for a long time drinking the hot beverage with butter added to it. That just doesn't plausible, make any biological plausibility, nor, nor does it make any sense from an evolutionary standpoint. 
nor does it meet my common sense lens. So that's, that's how we should be thinking and arrive at the truth on our own rather than having some expert, whether it's me or my friend Joel Furman or anybody else telling us we should all, we have the capacity to find that truth and we have to find our own truth of what works for us. Exciting. So <clears throat> obviously these were discoveries you've had for years. What made you decide to come out of practice and start getting the word out and what led to writing the book? When was the moment was like, you know what, I, I got to write a book and I've got to get this message out? Oh, I didn't come out of practice. The, the whole idea was to create something for the people that I was seeing in my practice and to have them uh, provide them with a, with a ready resource of information because face it, we're limited in time and we're not always able to provide all the information that we can. And my goal was to create something that the people that I was trying to help had something to take home. And, and that's how it evolved. And it, it's, as you know, it's a, it's a process to write a book. And it's really, I have a lot of respect for people that write books because it takes two, three years of all of your free time. And someone can just, you know, pick it up for 10 or $15. I think it's a total steal. Well, I, I don't want to get, you know, I, I'm into the juicing and the food, but, you know, your book, it's, you talk about a holistic approach. There are other things with the mind, body, and spirit. Can you talk about some of that and how that affects our overall health? I do, yeah, and I think that's huge, and that's where we started to talk about, you know, adverse childhood experiences or the ongoing stressors that we're exposed to in our day-to-day -day life, and that totally affects our appetite. It affects food choices. It affects how we metabolize that food and how it affects us. So you can, you can think about that as the karmic load of the food. So we think about calories and proteins and carbs and fat and vitamins and minerals, but there's energy. And we need to think about that energy that we're getting from the food. And there's a mind-body connection in, in how you eat the food and when you eat the food, maybe more important than actually what you're eating. So, so it's absolutely an intimate uh, experience with the universe that we, that, and that's just the eating part of it. But there's so many effects that when we're in a stressful environment, it affects us hormonally. We have high levels of cortisol. We have high levels of insulin. We have high levels of appetite hormones that make us more hungry. And again, if you think about that from an evolutionary perspective, you know, those are designed for a good reason that we're in a stressful condition. There's this huge wildfire going on. And we're designed to gorge on whatever food that we can find, preferably high calorie, sugary, fatty food, because there might not be any food tomorrow, right? So those systems are designed to help us stay alive. But the problem is that that famine never happens. And we stay in this constant fed state, constant state of, you know, food overload. And that's not what, that's not the environment that we're designed for. What's interesting, we just had Dr. Furman on last week. So it's funny that you bring all this up because he was talking about his latest book, Fast Food uh, Genocide, and, you know, the problem with fast food and uh, how in impoverished areas, areas they don't even have access to fresh food. And how do we overcome some of those issues? This is so true. There's so much of the population that lives in, in uh, you know, islands in sort of food, food poverty where there's no access to fresh fruits and vegetables. But guess what? Every single American is within a few miles of a McDonald's, right? And they've designed it like that. So and Ray Kroc has famously have said that he's, you know, we're in the real estate business. We're not, the you know, food business is secondary. Get the real estate. And so that's, that's really a, a sad state of affairs. And, and I know Joel talks about how 
you know, this is genocide, right? You know, and this is like, you want to kill a population or make them weak and tired and unable to take care of themselves. You feed them this kind of diet, which is hyper palatable, right? So it's addictive, much like heroin or cocaine. And it's very high in calories. So your body doesn't know how to deal with those calories. It's most it's likely going to store it, store those calories and it's low in nutrition, right? So you've got a high calorie, low nutrition, hyper palatable diet and a population that's hooked on it. And it's no surprise that we can't even hire enough people to fight, you know, in, in the armed forces because there's not that many fit, healthy people going around. And I think that's a very sad state of affairs that we should all be really getting serious about. Well, thank you. I'm glad that you're out there as a doctor and shed, shedding light on the truth. And so many people take credence in their doctor and believes everything the doctor says. And, um, but a lot of doctors out there aren't aware of all this. So thank you for getting this great message out. Thank you. Yeah, I think we need to be role models. We need to find the truth and be able to share the truth and, and live it ourselves. Well, when you know the truth, you hear the truth, you feel it. Everything you're saying is so logical. I don't know how anyone could sit here and say, no, but you're wrong because that, that butter in my coffee is a game changer. <laughs> it doesn't make any, it does not make any sense. You show me one population in the entire history of humanity that was eating that kind of diet with the butter in the coffee and the bacon and the eggs and the sausages and all the processed foods everywhere. Even the World Health Organization last year came out and said that processed foods is a class one carcinogen, very similar to smoking. It's right up there with cigarettes. So your hot dog, your salami, your pepperoni is right up there with, with smoking cigarettes. There's no question, it's not controversial. So you also talk about the effects of stress and you've got some ideas on how to overcome that. And yeah, because you say we can eat all the healthy organic food we want, but we can still, you know, get disease from the amount of stress we're under. Isn't that right? That is absolutely true. I think that's the mind body connection. That's where we need to really focus first. That's why when we talked about environment, I said physical, but then we look at psychological and social, the psychological environment is what's resulting from stress it's resulting from us constantly being overwhelmed with the things that we're being presented with all the time, whether it's work messages pinging us 24 seven or social media, we're you know, comparing ourselves to our peers and oh, my friend gets to go to Italy and why am I sitting here and you know, having to work on this project and this is constant barrage of stress that we weren't really used to. You look at news, right? We feel like we're connected to we could be connected to a calamity that's happening, you know, eight, 9,000 miles away. And again, we haven't evolved that way. So our brain thinks it's happening right next door, right? It's, so it's, so there could be an earthquake in, in Indonesia and you have, I have people coming into my office with post-traumatic stress disorder with they're getting depressed and anxious because of this earthquake that happened that far away because our brain doesn't know the difference. So having ways to manage stress, we can't make it go away but having ways to manage stress by having some control and predictability on that stress by having outlets, whether it's going outdoors or having a favorite hobby, such as listening to music or, you know, listening to a great show like yours, that's enlightening reading books. So having those outlets, social outlets, connection with friends and family who really support us and, and, and nurture us and nourish us intellectually. And those are all different ways to, to manage stress better so that we can be optimistic. We can have an optimistic picture of the future, have something to look forward to. And there's techniques that we can learn, whether it's mindfulness meditation or concentration meditation or flow meditation, learning to be with the breath, 
And I talk about some of those things in the stress chapter, which, by the way, was my favorite chapter. I had the most fun writing the stress chapter in this book. So I really take a lot of pride in the resources that I provided there. That's awesome. And you talk about feet and fitness, you know, moving our bodies. So what exactly, what are some of the best forms of doing that and making that into a habit too? Right. So, you know, we talked about feet, forks, and fingers. So, so feet are, again, evolutionary. We've evolved to be moving from place to place, right? Everybody talks about 10,000 steps. That translates to about five miles. But our, our ancestors were actually walking a lot more than five miles. They were walking 10 or 15 or even more miles than that every day going from place to place. So walking would be a good place to start for someone who's not doing anything. Just get to that 10,000 mark. There's easy ways to measure it now. You can, get some, you can get a watch that will measure it for you. A lot of our smartphones will do that too if you just have your phone in your pocket. So that's a great place to start. But don't stop there, right? We, the body wants to be challenged. We want exercise to be graded so that we're constantly challenging it with more and more uh, loading the muscles a little bit more. And the key to turbo metabolism, one of the big keys is activate large muscles. So you'll hear me say that over and over again. We can use our own body weight to activate those large muscles by use, doing body weight exercises like pull-ups, push-ups, squats, lunges, right? You don't have to lift heavy weights and belong to a gym with all the bulky people. You can use your own body weight. Yoga has some beautiful body weight exercises that you can do right in the comfort of your home. But, the, but please, please, please do move your body is designed to be moving. It's not designed to be sitting in one place. Well, that's the other thing, right? Isn't the society almost set up to be sedentary? We've got chairs everywhere. We've got phones everywhere. Right. So in the last century or so, we've come up with all these inventions that essentially every single one of them has made us more and more sedentary, whether it's, whether it's the car that uh, Henry Ford mechanized and made cars available to everyone or, you know, you mentioned our, our smartphones and our devices where we can instantly message people and send emails. And, you know, essentially, you can work, shop, communicate, recreate, you know, go on a date, entertain yourself, pretty much everything sitting in your chair from your device. That's how. So instead of, maybe instead of health care reform, we should be talking about health chair reform. <laughs> like because, because these chairs are so deadly and, you know, and chairs should come with a statutory warning, just like a pack of cigarettes from the Surgeon General saying this thing is hazardous to your health. That's great. I mean, we walk by the beach, we see people on these standing machines that are moving and scooters that are electric, they're not even using their own feet to propel them. I mean, people are just taking the easy way out. It's becoming almost the norm to have everything mechanical. Right. So again, that goes back to that social environment, right? So that's the norm. You know, if the norm is that everybody at the airport is walking on the, the moving sidewalk, right? Whatever you call those things, like the escalator that goes from place to place. Why would I want to walk with my suitcase? So there's very few people taking the stairs. So usually when I'm going somewhere, I take the stairs because there's nobody there. Up here in Northern California, we have the Bay Area Rapid Transit BART system. And you get off a busy train and the escalator is completely full, but the stairs are empty. So I just dash up the stairs with my backpack and I get my exercise and there's nobody there too. Love it. Right. And you didn't pay the gym fee that day. <laughs> right. Oh, here's another thing that's super funny. It's like a lot of gyms have valet parking. So it's like, why, why am I going to the gym to walk on the treadmill, but you want to valet park my car first? <laughs> 
<laughs> we got some things wrong. So now in the book, Turbo Metabolism, you talk about uh, story, state, and strategy. What do you mean by that? So I actually borrowed that from, from Tony Robbins, who's, who's a really, I think, a really cool, cool guy. And again, I think that's, that speaks to the psychological state, right? So uh, it's the story that you tell yourself, right? We tell ourselves all these stories. Many of them are not true. Oh, poor me. I'm just destined to be fat. I'm destined to be diabetic. You know, I'm not going to meet any success. I'm not going to meet the person of my dreams. It's whatever stories we keep telling ourselves, right? So it's telling yourself the right story. No, I will. I can. Right? This, whatever it is that I, I desire is well within my means. I can do this. That's the story. The state is then, again, the state of mind to say, okay, I can do this. This is what I need to happen. And, and then you take action. And the action is so automatic. It's actually easy when, you're, when you have the right story and the right state. The action becomes automatic. And another thing is that acronym in here. You've got an acronym for FAST. Do you want to share that? I really like that one. Yeah, so FAST, FAST is also something that I borrowed from someone who's in your neck of the woods, Jim Quick. He's a learning coach. And he talks about FAST as the way to learn something fast is to forget. That, so the F is to forget. So forget what you knew. It's like empty your cup, right? I, I can't teach you anything if you already think you know it all. A is active. S is the state again. And T is to teach back, right? So I, I do some teaching here at the local uh, medical school too. And it's like when I have to go teach something to these students who know nothing about it, or for that matter, I'm talking to my patients and I'm teaching them, trying to explain something, I really have to understand it myself much better than I did before. So forget what you knew, active state and teach back. And I like that you talk, when we're talking about metabolism, we should talk about timing, when we should be eating our food, how much we should be eating, how much water we should, we should be drinking. I'm sure people have questions like that too. Oh my God, that's so interesting. We could do a whole show on, on timing. So we used to, in, in the weight management world, we used to say, oh, you got to keep eating every two hours, eat six meals a day. And now what we're learning is that timing is so critical and all the research is showing that when we go into non-fasting states for prolonged periods of time, that's when uh, cells repair themselves and that's when the body actually goes into fat burn. So, so having less frequent meals or shortening the feeding window, right? So you're eating for eight hours, you're staying in the non-fed for the remaining 16 hours. That's when the body's repairing itself and going into fat burn. So that's one. Um, and two, you said water. Yeah, so the, the rule of thumb for water that I tell most of the people that I talk to is half your body weight in ounces should be the goal. Water should be the primary beverage, not apple juice, not Diet Coke, not beer. Wine is not a health food, not milk. You know, dairy has lots of uh, things that are wrong with dairy, but water is a primary beverage and half your body weight in ounces. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you're ballpark water goal is a hundred ounces for each day you said not milk or was that got milk i thought you were talking about the campaign got milk but you said not yes yeah, we're going to change that campaign to not milk because dairy is not a health food dairy is basically liquid meat it's got about 60 different cow hormones in it even if it's organic milks in which they didn't use any external hormones they're giving antibiotics to these cows it's all homogenized, so you've got the milk from, 
you know, all 5,000 cows on my farm mixed together and then they separate it based on fat content. Everybody's buying low fat. So then I've got all this butter that I have to sell as butter coffee or put extra cheese on your pizza or, and cheese in the crust and everything because we have an excess of cheese that we got to get rid of and make some money on that. It's, it's such a racket. I love it. Dr. Vidge right here on Juice Guru Radio. We're going to close out the radio portion in a minute, take some questions from the studio audience, as long as you've got some time for that, Dr. Vidge. But Certainly. Great. We've got a link up at Juice Guru Radio. If you're on Facebook, type in some questions. We'll take those too. But we're going to close out the iHeartRadio part. Dr. Vidge, before we do, though, anything to say in closing to our audience, anything we didn't touch on, or any final words of advice on how we can start supercharging our metabolism, getting healthier, preventing disease, and just living a uh, awesome life? Well, one was sleep. We didn't really talk about sleep. So I would just say that sleep is a master lever of health. And if you're not feeling tired, if you're, if you are feeling tired and sleepy and crabby during the day, there's a good chance that there's something wrong with the amount of sleep that you're getting or the quality of sleep that you're getting. So really think about, think about that. And again, more details in the sleep chapter. But the overarching message would be that Obesity, overweight, diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, all these metabolic diseases are reversible. They're not chronic, progressive, one-way streets. They're two-way streets, and you have the power, you have the capacity within you to take your health back. Isn't he phenomenal? It's Dr. Vidge, the book Turbo Metabolism, Eight Weeks to a New You. You heard him here on Juice Crew Radio. You can see he's going to be a, a rock star in the health world, no doubt, and deservedly so. Dr. Vidge, thank you so much for being here on Juice Crew Radio. Thank you. Namaste. We'll see you next time. I'm Steve Prusak. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.